Ready? <laughs> oh, I'm ready, Shelby. Hey, book lovers. Welcome to another exciting episode of Miss Willa's Book Club. I'm Shelby. And I'm Jenna. We're your hosts, and we're excited to be here with you today discussing our favorite thing, books. Whether you're a fan of magical fantasy realms or a hopeless romantic, we have the perfect book recommendations for you. So grab your bookmarks and get cozy, because each episode we'll be discussing viral books on BookTok and Bookstagram. And don't forget that drink of the episode. Jenna. <laughs> Hi, Shelby. How are you today? Well, I'm already one copy in, so we, we know how good I'm doing. <laughs> one We're copy all jacked in, up. Another to go. Nothing like some caffeine I know. to amp me up. I switched to wine. <laughs> Cheers. Cheers. Welcome back. There we go. Friends. We haven't done a wine clink in a while. Oh, God, we haven't. Oh, my goodness. I know. I feel like we keep recording at other times. And I know we do. Any. But we're going to have some, I think, fun drinks and episodes coming up. If you have good no. drink re- recipes you want to send us. You know who I've seen know. that does great drinks with their episodes is Tipsy Bookreads. Yes. Oh, my gosh. I love that podcast. Oh, so They're so good. cute. They're so cute. Their podcast is so fun. And they always have cute drinks. I remember, I think they maybe did the Night Circus one and they did one with cotton candy in it. Oh, my gosh. Cute. It was so cute. Yes. We that love that adorable. podcast. Highly recommend. They are awesome. They're so awesome. Well, Jenna, what are we talking about today? We are talking about Crescent City One. Oh my goodness. We're talking about the House of Earth and Blood. Ooh, my cover isn't it. on because I don't like reading hardbacks with a <laughs> dust jacket on. I don't either. Yes. This is what we're talking about today. This was a big one. It's a big boy. It was. It was like almost exactly 800 pages. Yeah. And mm. unpopular opinion, but... Crescent City is my favorite of the SJM oh books. Oh my gosh. I feel like everyone says Throne of Glass, which I do love. Don't get me wrong. But I <laughs> love Crescent City. It's like by far my favorite one. And I just oh, can't get over it. Oh, I love it so much. Why is it your favorite? Well, okay. Besides that, I like Bryce, our main character. And this is a little older. And we're keeping the spoiled spoiler free for now. But yeah, Bryce, our main character is a little bit older. She's 25, which... I think I already like. Oh, yeah. And Same. while some people don't love the like urban fantasy uh, environment where they have like cell phones <laughs> yeah. and stuff like that, I think it's like I, modern. I think I actually kind of like it because in some ways it feels closer to our world too. Yeah. And you just see so many fantasy books set in like medieval Europe kind of setting. Yes. And, and so it's different. Yeah. It's something a little bit different. And I realized on this read, it also kind of reads in some ways more like a thriller intermixed with a fantasy because you have like the murder mystery element of it. Yes. And so I, and since I really like psychological thrillers and that type of book, I loved that aspect and I kind of forgot how much that plays into this story. So yeah, that I just reinforced, I just freaking love Bryce so <laughs> when, when we were talking about it last week you called it Zootopia mm-hmm. and so now the entire time I was reading it I couldn't stop thinking of it as a Zootopian murder mystery yes it is. <laughs> well I mean that Zootopia has got that too right yes, like, yes it, oh my it gosh, definitely so is just funny. like Zootopia with all the different creatures and oh whatever it's so cute but yeah so for me obviously that was five stars a oh, strong strong it. five stars I love this book what about you oh I gave it a five stars too so when I read this last year, I so I remember I read Crescent City 1 and 2 in like a three-week time span. Oh, man. I know. Well, because remember I was on that rotation where I literally did oh, nothing. Yes. 
I lived, I did nothing the entire time I was there for that entire three mm. weeks. So I had eight hours every single day for three entire weeks where all I did was read books. Oh, jealous. I know. I mean, it was really nice, but also I kept like asking for things to do. And I was like, hi, what am I supposed to be doing? And they're like, we don't have any work for you. So I would literally sit at a desk and do nothing. Mm. And it was up in Loveland, which is like an hour away from us. Mm -hmm. It was great that I got to sit and read, but it was a very boring rotation. And so I sat and read these and when I first started this, I was like, what the heck? Like, I I, I liked it, mm-hmm. but I didn't love it. I still gave it five stars, but this time, like, it was a true five. Yeah. yeah. I think a lot of people feel that way the first time they read it because there's so much information in the first 200 pages. Yeah. And um, I've heard other people <laughs> talk about that, you know, maybe the world building in Throne of Glass and Akatar originally was like a little bit less strong and that people wanted more of it. And so then all yes. of a sudden, SJM put like, a tear one right at the beginning more. of this one. Because this is one of her, this is the third series she right. started, right? Like she wrote all of Throne of Glass had been released by now. And I think through Frost and Starlight of yep. Akatar had been released before I think before Crescent City. Because then it was Crescent City one, so House of Earth and Blood, and then Silver, Silver Flames. Flames. And then Hoseb. Yep, correct. So I think that this one was when uh, she started putting that one in too. Mm-hmm. And so she put in more building. But like, I liked I, it. I, it's it's yeah. a lot. There's a lot of characters to know. Which we'll go through. Right. <laughs> We're going to go through characters and objects and places. I feel yeah. like this episode is going to be more of like a book review rather yeah. than like a whole interconnection and I feel like we can save that until like the later half because like there's a lot going on in this book yeah so if you haven't read Crescent City 1 or House of Earth and Blood in a while this will be a really good reminder yes of who our key player <laughs> players are yeah. kind of what some of the lore is that's in the background um but yeah to your point I think yeah. um, most of this episode we're going to stick mostly to the Crescent City mm-hmm. series so if you haven't read um, Throne of Glass or Akatar, you can listen through this first part. And mm-hmm. I think that we'll, we'll keep that safe. We'll try and cut it off a little bit there and save some of that for towards the end. Yeah. Um, and we'll, we'll make it really clear when you should stop listening if yeah. you haven't read Throne of Glass or Akatar yet. Right. I think so too, especially because there's so much going on in this one. There's so much going on in the second one. And mm-hmm. right before the third one comes out, this will be a perfect review for yeah, that. Yeah, only like one month until that book comes out. Less than a month. I cannot even believe that. Yeah, that's so exciting. I'm I've been waiting so for excited. this for so long. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I know, because when they came out with the cover, everybody has theories on who's on that cover. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, mm. so excited. Yeah, we'll get to that later. <laughs> Yay. Well, before we get started with the book. Yes. We have hit some really fun milestones yes. this week, you guys. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Tell me, Shelby. So the first one is that we hit 10,000 followers on TikTok. And now we're surpassed that. But that oh, yeah, was we've really blown exciting. through that. We're like past 12,000 now. It, yeah. Wow. So we, wow. Yeah. Really appreciate you guys' support on that. <laughs> that is so exciting. Mm-hmm. We also have over 10,000 streams and downloads on the podcast, which is insane, you guys. Over the past month, it's been like so many listens and views and stuff. I just, again, blown away. Blown away. So appreciative. So appreciative. How many followers did we hit? On the subscribers? Yes. Yeah, we have more than 1,500 subscribers on the podcast. To the podcast. Holy crap you yeah, guys that's really great that's a it was a really fun really fun spot for us yeah. to hit and we just really appreciate all y'all's support and yeah you 
We just love you guys. And something else that we hit on Friday is we were in the top 50 of arts podcasts on Spotify. Yeah. We were number 47, which like, holy crap. To be formally <laughs> ranked is pretty cool. It's, it was pretty cool when I when I saw that on there. It was just, it wasn't even like a, we got a notification about it. I just saw it in the analy- like the analytics. Analytics. And I was like, I'm sorry, what? <laughs> like, holy cow. Yeah, that was really fun. I oh. mean, we obviously work hard to try and bring you guys good content yes. and to have some good theories to share. But it was really cool to see that you guys are enjoying it as much as we are. And it's so fun. All of the people that we've met over socials, mm-hmm. all the authors we've been able to work with, the books we've gotten. It's just... It cheers. Cool. Cheers. Oh, so exciting. This just all of the comments, all the likes, everybody DMing us, like it truly just does mean so much to us. Mm-hmm. So we just want to say thank you. Yeah, thanks guys. Thanks. And we'll reiterate like we do every episode too. If you have a book you really want us to cover, or if you're an author and you'd be really excited for us to try and talk about it, send us a DM or an email. We yes. have all our contact information in our link tree. We do. Yay! All right, let's get into yeah, some let's get into Crescent City. Woo! Ooh, ooh. <laughs> <laughs> Where do we want to start, Jenna? Oh god, that's a great question. I don't know. Should we start? Should we start by just talking about some some people? Should yeah, we talk let's about do talking about just the city. I don't know. What you think? Oh, actually, yeah. Let's do let's do city first. Let's do city first, and let's then do let's the city. do people because we have a lot of people to talk. There's a about. lot of people. Crazy, All right. Crazy. So remind me how I'm supposed to say it. Lunathion. That's how I'm Lunathion. Luna- I think sure. either way is totally fine. Lunathion, <laughs> whatever it is. Yeah. So we're split up into four houses, right? Mm-hmm. We've got the House of Earth and Blood, which yep. is what this book is named after. And that one has, let me flip to where it is again. Oh, yeah. It Shifters, it. humans, witches, ordinary animals, and many other whom... Sthona? I don't even know how I'm supposed to say that. I don't know if it's Cthona or Sthona. Sthona? <laughs> I don't know. Wait, we butcher names. Don't worry about it, friends. Yeah. <laughs> um, as well as some chosen by Luna is in House of, House of Earth and Blood. We have Sky and Breath, which is the angels, fey, elementals, sprites, and those who are blessed by Solus, along with some favored by Luna. Many waters, which we don't get into too much in Mm-mm, this book. Just a little bit. Yeah, which is river spirits, myrrh, water beasts, nymphs, kelpies, nox. And others watch out by watched over by Ogenis. Ogenis. <laughs> and then Flame and Shadow, sure. which again we really don't talk about too much in, in this book, besides that they're the creepy ones. <laughs> yeah, that's how I think about it too, like the creepy crawlies. Yeah, the creepy crawlies. So we've got we've got those four houses of Midgard. Mm-hmm. And my understanding is Midgard is kinda like think the whole like country. The planet. Or, yeah, planet. Yeah. Sure. But then we're specifically, like, mostly just in this one city in this book. Mm-hmm. And within the city, there's a lot of different districts. Right. So we have the Wolves in Moonwood. Yep. And the Prime kind of um, manages that area. Yep. We have Five Roses, which is the Fae. And so we have the Autumn King there. In the Bone Quarter, we have the Under King. We don't really talk too much about him in this book. We talk more in the next. Mm-hmm. In the Meat Market, we have the Viper Queen. And then in the Old Square, we have the Oracle. In the Blue Court, we have the River Queen. And then there's no leader for the humans in the meadows. Right. Which is interesting because everywhere else has like a leader, somebody who's like 
everybody kind of looks out to. Mm-hmm. And then you've got the humans that are just kind of ruling themselves a little bit. Mm-hmm. And in this book, we also find out that they are trying to rebel against everybody. Right. So Yes, because they have basically like no power in here because they... Like all of the magical beings are called veneer. Is that how you pronounce it? I think, yeah. Are the veneer, 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 what? I don't know. Yeah. Um, Are they just fae or is it any magical creature? I thought it was everything with magic that they kind of refer to that way. Yeah. But I'm not sure that that's true, but that's how I've interpreted it. It's basically everything not human. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Like everything else is how they basically, they have like really, really long lifespans. Mm -hmm. They have powers. Mm -hmm. They are really hard to kill which mm-hmm. is really important in this book specifically. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that was a really great explanation of it. It's interesting because, so that's all here in Lunatheon. Yeah. We also know that there are other parts of the world, mm-hmm. and but we don't know that much about them. We just know that there are the other parts. So like Pangera, mm-hmm. that is where one of our main characters is from. That's where Hunt is from, mm-hmm. right? And we know that like there are other people ruling those lands, but we don't actually know that much about them. Yeah, it's other archangels that are kind of yeah. in charge of that, right? And the Asteri, or uh, I think I always pronounce it wrong. What is it? I th- no, Asteri that, is that's right? how I pronounce okay. it, Asteri. Um, that the Asteri are... The, these like seven let's say super beings yes. <laughs> that, are, that are kind of in charge of like everything everything right. like they're a whole world above everybody in power and do we know where they are because all that i saw in the book was it said they were six thousand miles, miles away, away but i don't think we know what the name of the location i don't know that i caught that either now that yeah. you say that yeah, so I'm not sure where they are. They don't they don't physically show up anywhere in this right. book. They like are on video at one point, but we don't know where they are. And so there were seven of them, and now there are six mm-hmm. because well, now we can talk about hell there maybe we go. too. Yeah, so, let's do that. So uh, one of the other planets is how it's kind of described. Mm-hmm. Um, it's known as hell, and there are seven territories of hell or seven layers of hell. There's the hollow, the trench, the canyon, the ravine, the chasm, the abyss, and the pit. Yes. And so basically, like, as each layer goes, it's supposed to get kind of darker and mm-hmm. worse. Because it's further away from the light mm-hmm. is mm-hmm. what we hear from a certain mm-hmm. so, being. <laughs> so the only in. two layers of hell that we really know much about at this point is the chasm, which is the fifth layer. Yep. And that's where Adis is the prince of and so oh, Adis. yeah love, 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 love. and so Adis sometimes prevents presents himself as a cat um which is like and he's i think usually like pale white eyes like blue opals hmm. and so sometimes he appears there and sometimes he appears as a like young boy with blonde hair and blue eyes and so he has already connected with bryce once before when she was younger but we see him come up again in this book also. And yes. um, he's clearly got something going on. But So he appeared to Bryce first when she first went to, and we'll talk more about this, mm-hmm. the Oracle later. Mm-hmm. But she had gone to see the Oracle. It's a ritual that happens with um, the like teenage fae human. Mm-hmm. And they, they basically go to see their future. And so when Bryce went the first time, he showed up randomly afterwards mm-hmm. as a cat. And then when... 
she summons him later on in the book. He and he actually showed up at somebody her age because he said he thought that it would something be something that she liked. Mm-hmm. So he's clearly some sort of a shapeshifter. Yeah, he is definitely a shapeshifter because he can present himself yeah. how he wants to. For he sure. said, "What? I thought you were gonna like this, right?" <laughs> yes. So we have Adis. We know is the prince of the chasm, mm-hmm. and then um, the only other prince we really talk about in this book is the prince of the pit. Yeah. Who's known as the Star Eater. Hmm. And so the, we only get a couple little bits about the Star Eater in this one. And the first is that he has consumed clearly <laughs> yeah, by the name real. one of the Asteri. Or, yep. Is that how I pronounced it before? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I do this every time. The Asteri. <laughs> um, so he is the only one that has like ever killed one of the yes, Asteri. And so right. now there are only six instead of seven of them. There's one seat that sits open. Um, mm-hmm. but we know that he's killed one of those and we know that together with his power and one of the original starborn princes, who that was he it? Has, Peleus? Yeah. That he created, um, demons, like a new race of demons that yeah. could hunt Luna's horn. Mm-hmm. And those are the Crystallos that we see here in this book. Yes. Mm-hmm. Did you find anything interesting on how many, the number of levels of the pit or of hell? Yeah. Or of, what was it? The levels of hell, basically. Yeah. There, the number seven comes up so much in Crescent City. Right. There's seven Asteri. There's mm-hmm. seven layers of hell. There's 49, which is seven by seven yep. of the Asteri guards. Mm-hmm. There's seven districts of like uh, Lunathion. Right. There's, yeah, like the number seven, for whatever reason, comes up a lot. And... Let me come back to that in okay. a little bit too. Like, do you have more to say about it? I'm going to say one of my things about yes. that number And for I think later. I know exactly what you're going to say. So we'll yeah. say that for the end of the episode. Like, we yeah. already know. There's, um, there's, and so I, that was something I noticed this time yeah. that I didn't the first. And I'm going to be curious if that number becomes Yeah. Well, when Bryce went to, um, she went to the meat market to try to go buy some of that obsidian salt. Yep. To summon Adis. Yep. She bought seven pounds and seven ounces yep, of it. Yep. And that's when I first started to really pay attention to it mm-hmm. because I've heard that there are patterns and mm-hmm. everything with numbers and names and everything. And so I was like, hmm, that was not a coincidence. Yeah. Yeah. The salt being seven by seven is also, mm-hmm. I thought, important. But it is just, it's mentioned so many times. So many seven. times. So I definitely took note of that. So one of the things when we were talking about like the princes of hell on page 468, um, it says Adis occupied the fifth level of hell, the chasm. He yielded only to two others, the prince of the abyss and the prince of the pit, the seventh and the mightiest of the demon princes, the star eater himself, whose name was never uttered on this side of the northern rift. And maybe we can keep this until the end of the episode, but it made me think of another series. We can keep it until Okay. It's <laughs> like, wait a second. Like, what am I not thinking of? <laughs> we'll talk about it later. Okay. So who else do we have in the series? <laughs> yeah, I'm trying to think. Okay, so that's, that's kind of all I have about the, yep. the Princess of Hell. Oh, and I think we learn, and I'm pretty sure it's in this one, that we learn um, that one of the princes is missing. I think it's like briefly mentioned that one of the princes oh. of Hell is missing, but... Um, they don't really get into it very much yeah. in this one. I think it's going to come Just up like more mentioned. in Skyrim Breath. Yep. Oh. So, 
Yes. So we've got that too. And did you notice that the parts of the book were named after the levels of hell? No, I did not realize that. Yeah, like if you look, like part one is called the hollow, part two is the trench. Wow. That's interesting. So I didn't know if that was going to be significant for any reason either. And who knows? It might, I mean, it might still be interesting or it might still be like valuable. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. So that's, I mean, already so much information, but yes, that's, that's a, that's kind of what I've got about hell Mm -hmm. and this is clearly very important because it keeps coming up. So, yeah. So we mentioned it briefly. Mm-hmm. Do we want to talk about Luna's horn or we want to talk about people before we get there? Let's do let's do people first. People. Yeah. All let's right. do people first. Who do we got first? We got we got a lot of people There's in this book. There's a lot of people to keep track so of. So many people. So like we said, this will be a good recap if you haven't read it in a mm-hmm. while because there's just so many characters to keep straight. Yeah. We read it so that you don't have to. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that's a great way to put it we read it so that you don't have to (laughs) i mean this is an 800 page book and i know a lot of people are doing their rereads right now for crescent city three but it was a lot a lot of information (laughs) yeah so who do we have first let's start should we start with our main character our girl yeah start us off with bryce bryce freaking quinlan my goodness so i have to say when i first read it she was not my favorite female character Not at all. And I was, I, it, ugh, it wasn't even like a, oh, I like her. I was like, you're annoying. <laughs> but, 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 but this time, Dear. I know. I, and I felt so bad the first time I read it. Cause I was like, eh, I don't really care. But this time I loved her. And I think it's because we just reread Akatar. And so we were able to kind of pick out some different points about Feyre and there were some things I liked and some things I really didn't like. Mm-hmm. And so this time I felt more connected to Bryce because one, she's older. Mm-hmm. She has like these like urban partying habits, I guess I should say. Yeah. She's a 20 year old. Like exactly. she's like in her twenties. Right. And she's fun and she loves to party and hang out with her friends and she has Maybe I shouldn't say really good friendships, but she's got like these close people that she's close with and it's not all about like the love interest. Mm -hmm. And so I really, really liked her this time. Yeah, me too. Well, and kind of to your point, not just a party girl, but all just content to let the world believe the worst of her. That's, that's what Hunt says about her. Yeah. And I feel like that's the, the best way to put that is she's willing to put on a show and come off as being ditzy and stupid kind of just to throw other people off and Mm -hmm. let them underestimate her I love her in this book because in the same way that I think you've talked about in other books where um you appreciate when there's a very feminine character that like Mm -hmm. plays into their femininity and is still strong yes and I feel like Bryce plays into the fact that she's like hey I'm hot. I'm going to dress in a skin tight dress and Hell yeah. show off and my high ass. heels. Yeah. Because she's like, I know I look damn good. Exactly. Like she embraces that about she herself. She always makes herself presentable everywhere she goes. She puts on heels. She puts on a dress. She makes sure her hair is done. I think at one point they even said that her getting ready routine was never less than two hours. Yes. <laughs> that That's what Hunt so says. Funny. Yeah. It's so funny. <laughs> so funny so I just I don't know I always loved her and I love that she is so so loyal to her friends like kind of to your point 
whether or not they deserve that loyalty always is maybe a different question but mm. she is so loyal to the people that she cares about yeah like she almost is. to a fault and i just i really appreciated that about her I from the too. beginning and Something? i don't know i've always loved her as a main character though yeah and i maybe it was just because of the headspace and like we mm-hmm. talked about th- we talk about this all the time on the podcast sometimes you just have to be in a certain space when you read a book yes. to either love it or hate it And I feel like last year I was so busy with other things and this was a brand new series and I was so overwhelmed with all the things happening that I was like, oh, it's so different than anything I've read and it's so modern that I didn't know how I felt. Mm -hmm. But this time I just, I loved her and I think coming right out of Silver Flames because as we talked about in our Silver Flames episode, I love Nesta and I love somebody coming out of their trauma and like staying true to themselves and I feel like we really see that with Bryce here mm-hmm. she comes out of her hole mm-hmm. a little bit yeah she absolutely does and she like owns it and wants to be better mm-hmm. and grows and I don't think I really saw that as prominently the first time I read mm-hmm. it well I guess now that we're talking about her kind of <laughs> coming out mm-hmm. after being so depressed yeah I feel like we should talk about hun. <gasps> Okay, also, when I first wrote this, I did not like Hunt. Really? <laughs> like, literally not at all. I, it's so it's funny. I definitely remember liking Hunt. Yeah. And I, in this book, and then I remember thinking he was kind of boring in the second one. Yeah. And so I'm going to be curious to see <laughs> what I think. Too. Because I think I actually liked him more on this read than, I, than I remember liking <laughs> him. Their banter is so cute oh my god this is like (laughs) crescent city is the ultimate slow burn it really is so good as a slow burn like there's so much just little heated tension Mm -hmm. but like not really anything happens yet but i love it though because he like it's clearly there they both feel it and they both know it but like he never pushes her Mm. and i love that i love that he never pushes her sexually i guess i should say that but he pushes her mentally. Yes, which is good. I love that. I did too. I love that he was like, you are eating breakfast. Yeah, he I don't calls give her a out. Shit what you say. Yeah. He does. He calls her out and he always makes sure she's like on top of her shit. And I, oh, I loved it. I know. Oh, the and fact. He's like, <laughs> he's such a shameless flirt too. When oh it, like gosh. in a different yes. way than um, Reese's. Like, so we just read, mm-hmm. you know, all the actor stuff. I feel like Reese is this shameless flirt and like, I don't know. He's always a little bit like sexual in his comments to her or like kind of joking or whatever. But Hunt is just like casually smooth throwing things into conversation. And it was really smooth. And I was shocked by that this time. I know. Well, especially because (laughs) it was, uh, I feel like he almost always waited. There was like almost a prompt from her every Mm -hmm. time. And he's like, oh, really? (laughs) He's like, oh, tell me more. (laughs) So yes, I was really just like, oh, melting at Hunt this time. Oh my gosh. On a on a more serious note, I loved that like as we were talking about their trauma, they both kind of brought each other out of the trauma mm-hmm. and they never really pushed, but it was like I'm here if you want to talk about it. Mm-hmm. And it was said multiple times and then finally both of them were like, "Well, this is why I do this or mm-hmm. this is why I do that and this is why I feel a certain way about xyz and i loved that they both opened up to each other and neither one of them really had somebody else to really open up to yep and so i loved that it was like a casual and like a steady growth out of their trauma together yep oh Oh my gosh yes i know the 
reluctant allies to lovers is always a really favorite trope of mine. I love that. And I did really appreciate because they kept being like, oh, I see you and I accept mm-hmm. all of you kind of attitude towards each oh other. And I think Conti even says that at one mm-hmm. point. It was like, I see everything that you're giving me and I want it all. Yeah. Oh my god. Well, okay, so let's talk more about like Hunt in particular though, besides yes. the fact that Hunt has a foot fetish, which is hilarious. hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> the part oh. when he's like, Oh, her red toes, I could lick every one of them or whatever. I was uh. like, Whoa, okay. <laughs> Hunt's a freak. <laughs> I died laughing at that one for sure. But <laughs> so we so know funny. he's got angular dark eyes, he's got gray feathered wings. He participates Which is interesting. He's got, he participated in the rebellion Mm -hmm. and lost, was made into a slave. Yep. We know that none in living memory have possessed Hunt's ability to harness lightning Lightning. at will. Like we know that other, other people can yield wind and rain and storms, but not lightning specifically. Right. And his is like the most power they've ever seen. Right. So we know that. Um, we know that his mom was a low level angel, mm-hmm. but we don't know who his dad is. Right. And we know that his birth name was actually Orion. Orion. And Orion, for people who don't know, uh, means hunter, which is why they call him Hunt. Is also known as Hunter, yeah. Hunt do you know Adelar. Do you know the story of Orion though? No, I don't think I do. Yeah. Tell me. I know you love astrology. Yeah. Well, so in like Greek mythology, at least, and there's a couple of variations of this story that you'll hear of Orion, depending on like where, I don't know, like where in the world slash time. But generally speaking, Orion lives a fairly tragic life in (gasps) Greek mythology. Oh, no. And like the stories, usually two of the common stories are either that he was killed by his lover, Artemis, or that he was killed by a scorpion because of his lover, Artemis, that somebody else was mad about their love and killed him because of it. But like in pretty much every version of Greek mythology with Orion, he dies dies in a fairly tragic way. And he's he's already living a very tragic life. And so that makes me very nervous (gasps) for Orion's future. Especially because of a certain thing that was said. So, yeah, so that makes me really nervous for his future. Yeah. And there's a lot of different variations of how you read it. And um, although one thing that I was like going to be kind (laughs) of curious if it also plays out here is um, when he was like in, you know, the stories wherever when he was placed into the sky and they kind of felt bad for him. And so they put his hunting dogs in the sky with him as constellations. That's like Candace Major Minor. Right. Um, That I wonder if that's going to have anything to do with the wolves. (laughs) Like, cause he, like, I think in the next book, he becomes pretty good friends with Ethan. I think so too. Yeah. So I just kind of wonder if that relationship is supposed to play off at all. Interesting. uh, Yeah. That makes me nervous for Orion. Oh my gosh. That makes me really nervous. (laughs) His relationship with Bryce. Oh no. Oh no. Oh no. Yeah. Because we know that the Oracle tells, uh, what I mean, see exactly what the Oracle said to Orion. Yes. She says, um, I do, but where is it? Oh, well, okay. So Oracle tells Hunt, and this is if you have the hardback, it's on 326. Oracle tells Hunt, you remind me of that which Uh was lost long ago. I had not realized it might ever appear again. Mm -hmm. And then she says, keep for your own good, basically keep well away from Bryce Quinlan. Yeah. She says, do yourself a favor. Stay well away from, which, what? Yeah. Because we don't find out in this book or the next one 
the hell that means? We're going to find out. We're going to find out. Uh, <laughs> SJM has said in some of her like interviews and stuff that we should be worried for <laughs> until oh the next God. book. We'll wait to talk too much about that until the next book. But yeah, Goodness just gracious. I'm nervous for him. So, oh, speaking about Hunt and like one of the things that happened. So like as a slave, one of the things that he has to do is for one of the archang- archangels that he is now like underneath. So Micah. Micah owns him and he has to pay back the debts from the rebel war mm-hmm. and so he has to kill like 2000 something people oof Ugh. and like brutally too yeah like has- michael will say you can't use a gun yeah you have to basically and you have to drag it. it out yeah oh my god well he hates it mm-hmm. absolutely hates it and like he always comes back a darker person and they call him the shadow of death yeah so sad so i wanted to kind of talk about the shower scene oh oh my god i was sobbing i was sobbing i forgot how sad it was yeah so basically the shower scene if you're not remembering um partially through the book this is like a good ways into Mm -hmm. it uh hunt basically does something to piss off uh micah who owns him and so as a result just to kind of remind hunt that he doesn't get to do whatever he wants. Mm-hmm. Micah orders him to pretty brutally murder three people. Yeah. And Hunt is just a shell of a person when he comes Ugh. back from that. Like he's just, because it like hurts him so much inside to have to do that. Just like tears a part of his soul every time he does. And so he comes back to the apartment and Bryce sees him just like can tell that there's multiple people's she, like, blood on there. She like says his name multiple times. He yeah. doesn't respond and he just like goes into the shower. Yeah, and she he's in there for a really long time yeah. and so Bryce gets a little bit worried and she goes in and he has the shower just like turned up so hot that he's like literally scalding himself. Well, so and one healing. of the things we forgot to say about the Fae is that they like naturally heal themselves. Yeah. Well, not just Fae, a lot of the Oh, yes. Yeah, a lot of the creatures. Yeah. Mhm. And so when he has the shower turned up so hot, he's literally like burning himself and then healing as it's burning over and over oh, and over again. God. Yeah. And so then she basically comes in and like cleans him up and um one of my favorite tropes. I know. Oh, when she show normally it's the other way around and so he's like washing her hair. She's washing his hair, she's washing his body and, his wings. and it's like not sexual no. at all. It's just like comforting and taking care of him. Mm-hmm. And I thought that was like a really great personal growth for both of them mm-hmm. because now she's in a more nurturing role mm-hmm. and he is allowing himself to be taken care of. Yeah, like he's accepting of that. Right. He's like willing to let someone help him and see him like that. Oh, yeah, that is... That Except for I was really mad that he brought her back to her bed halfway through the night. Okay. I was like, why did you do that? Yeah, I was like, you were perfectly comfortable snuggling with yeah. her all night. And then I, I didn't understand it either. To me, yeah. that was weird. Yeah. Espe- yep. Especially if you're supposedly uh, together... I'll say. <laughs> yeah, I was mad about that. Yep, I didn't love that. Mm-hmm. Oh, gosh. All right, what do you think about his betrayal? Oh, yeah. I remember being a lot madder about it the first time that I read it. I don't know why I didn't feel as mad this time. I feel like I should have. Yeah. And maybe just because I knew, I don't know, know, knew how it played out, then it made me less mad. Yeah. But... I was definitely madder the first time I read it. What about you? Um, I think this time I was still just as mad. Yeah. I knew it was coming, but I forgot 
what was leading up to it and how much we didn't know about what Hunt was doing. Yeah. And so to me, this time it hit just as hard, mm. which I was a little shocked by. I feel like some things I wasn't as as shocked by, but that was still one I was like, I really just didn't like. And the mm. a- But the aftermath of it, oh my God, I was sobbing. Yeah. The one thing that I did notice more this time since I was looking for it is how much Hunt tries to shift Bryce away from looking into sin yeah I don't know if you got that too but like especially in the maybe 20 pages before all that happens yep he's always like like this on 541 of the hardback he's like oh the synth probably has nothing to do with this we shouldn't I remember thinking that that was pretty odd that he was shifting her away from it and he was really pushy about it yeah and I didn't remember like how it all exactly played out Mm -hmm. and so I was like why are you like you should be looking into this. What are you doing? So I remember thinking that was odd. Mm-hmm. Oh my gosh. Yeah. So I did, I did notice that more this time. Um, I think I just felt worse for Hunt this time. Mm-hmm. And so a little bit, I understood how desperate he was. Like the first time yeah. I think I was way more a hundred percent on Bryce's side. Mm-hmm. And I guess that's one thing I should mention about why I think I really like crescent city and in some ways like crescent city more than other books while i really like a first person from or you know like just from our main character's point of view book which at least the beginning of throne of glass and the beginning of akatar is like that i think like we don't get from reese's point of view or we don't get from anybody else's and for a while for a while and this one we like are seeing it kind of from Hunt's perspective right mm-hmm. from the beginning. We're seeing them go back and forth. And I actually think I really enjoyed that. I did too. And I felt like since Silver Flame that we had just read yeah. was also in like a third person. What do they call it? Flipping back and forth. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I guess. Like mm-hmm. power above everybody's yeah. watching everything. Um, I I think I really do like that. As much as I like hearing Feyre and Reese's point of view, I think I like the all-knowing. Right. Like more of a third party talking. Right. Yeah. So I, I liked that too. And I so I think because of that, it made me feel for Hunt a little bit more mm-hmm. in this one, which just, I was surprised by that though. Because yes. on the other books that we've reread recently, on the second read, I've been more mad about all the betrayals. Yes. And for whatever this reason, one was a little different. I wasn't as mad. Yeah. Interesting. I, one of the things, though, so after the betrayal, um, basically Micah, who owns Hunt, is like, oh, we have to, like, Sabine, who is, like, the leader of the wolves, mm-hmm. basically says, like, something else. Oh, that was before when his wings got cut off. Yeah, well, so we have, let's talk about Sabine. Okay. So Sabine is the prime apparent yes. for the wolves. So the prime of the wolves, who is like a very old man, is still alive, but maybe not 100% with it. Yeah. He's a big fan of Bryce's. Oh, he loves He loves Bryce. Bryce. Um, but Sabine hates Bryce. And part of why she hates Bryce is because Bryce was best friends with Danica. Danica Fender. And um, Danica is Sabine's daughter. Right. And so kind of from the beginning, Danica is like seems more clear that Danica should step in after the prime passes away. They were gonna instead of her mom. Touch her as the prime instead of Sabine. Right, which Sabine was pissed about because obviously she's her mom and she's older and feels yeah. like she has that right. But Danica just always had more power and was better and, and so yeah. people liked her more. But she Got into a lot of trouble 
while oh she was growing gosh. up. She just like constantly getting into stuff. I thought it was interesting. Her that and they, Bryce. Yeah, that they noted <laughs> that she got into lots of trouble until five years before she died. I did not catch that. Yeah. And so interesting. I'm going to be curious to pay attention to the next book if that five years lines up with when she went to CCU with Bryce mm-hmm. or with another event that we know we're going to find out about in HOSAP, right. which I won't talk about yet. But <laughs> yeah. Interesting. So that was interesting. And it was the Oracle that told her through love all is possible. I didn't remember that. I didn't remember that either. Where it came from. Mm -hmm. So also going to put that in my back pocket for the next book. Um, And she was the one who stole Luna's horn. Yes. Yep. Oh my gosh. And she, do we want to talk about what she did with Luna's horn? Yeah, sure. Yeah. Do we want to talk about Luna's horn in general? Yeah. yeah, Let's talk about Luna's horn in general. Let's do that first. Okay. So Luna's horn... Well, yeah. Yeah. Luna's horn <laughs> was, so it's like an item. It was originally in possession of Peleus. Peleus? Yes. Yep. Um, he was the. The first Starborn Prince. Right. And it was said to have been forged in the Phase home world, but then named hmm. for the goddess in the new world. Interesting. And yeah, so it had, but it's been, it was broken many, many years ago. And so it was sitting in Luna's temple and mm-hmm. uh, somebody stole it. And so it, kind of throughout this book, when we say it's like a murder mystery kind of thing, right. besides trying to figure out who Danica's murder is, they also are trying to figure out who stole Luna's horn yes. from the temple. And where it was. And where it is. And so we realize in the very end of the book that, which I I did not remember that Micah was the one that figured it out, mm. that he was the one that was like, oh, I like... As soon as we figured out all these things that happened and why, he figured out that Danica, and like right before she died, which makes me think she knew she was going to die. Oh, yes. It was so odd. I think she knew she was going to die too. Like the days before she was telling Bryce she loved her. She was doing all these things to set Bryce up for success in Mm -hmm. all the things that are going to happen. And it was just wild. And so Micah said... um, the horn will open a portal and allow me to summon an army to decimate the human rebels and end their wanton destruction. And so he basically just wants to open a portal with it. Mm-hmm. But I think it has other powers too. Yeah. Yeah, we'll see, I guess, what all powers it has besides mm-hmm. opening doors to other worlds. And we know that it can only be used by the um, Starborn. Starborn. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So what did you think of, of this time reading it about how much Danica hid from Bryce? Oh my gosh. If you remember the first time I read it, I hated Danica. And I was like, she's the worst friend ever. Oh my gosh. But now that I'm kind of seeing that I think Bryce just has this like faulty loyalty to people, I feel like I hate Danica a little bit less. And that I really do see that maybe Danica was still trying to set her up for success and she was trying to do the best that she could. See, that's so You funny. felt the opposite? Yeah. So oh I guess God. you were more mad about Hunt's betrayal. Uh-huh. I was more mad about how much Danica was keeping from Bryce, especially uh-huh. because like the fact that Bryce shared with her and only her about her starborn gift, which yep. was such a big deal. Such a big deal. And 
Danica had so much shady shit that she was dealing and with. And we only learned about half of it. We only learned book. with a little bit in this one. Yes. And just as it dribbles out, it feels like there was this whole second life mm-hmm. that Danica was living without Bryce. Yep. And I was actually a lot more upset by that this time because Danica knew how much Bryce relied on her mm-hmm. and relied on their relationship and like that, how important that bond was. And because it's so clear that Danica yeah. knew something was coming, right? Like the uh, file folder or whatever yes. in the flash drive is literally named Bryce with yes. like for her the, where those videos are. And I don't know. There's just, there's so many things that she tucks away specifically for Bryce. Mm-hmm. And kind of just never me, told her about it. It just kind of made me more mad because I don't mm-hmm. understand why she couldn't share that information. I think that's right. the biggest thing is, I mean, I get that it was risky, but so was knowing that Bryce was starborn. Um, yeah. So I don't understand what r- reason Danica had to not tell Bryce. Mm-hmm. And I was a lot more upset by that this time. I think the last time I got more upset in the second book. Yeah. And so we'll see if I if I stay that way. Because this time I think I knew that I was super upset the first time and why and so this time I maybe was looking for other things Mm. I was pissed the last time I read it because obviously like we're all here for Bryce and everything and she just has the world's worst friends kind of yeah it's so sad I know well except I mean I do have to say her scene with Juniper on the roof so Juniper is her the friend that's a fawn yep she's a fawn yeah and she's a dancer yeah she's the dancer in the ballet and it was kind of irritating maybe that um like how juniper talks to her when she misses Mm -hmm. the dance lesson but at the end of the day juniper has always been there for bryce when she needed it and so when bryce was feeling that depressed and juniper could sense it she like came running over kept bryce on the phone without really letting her know what was going on and basically like kept her from jumping off the roof but okay, devil's advocate, you only come when you're needed. Like to me, that was super shitty. Mm, it was like true. Bryce had clearly been acting out and asking for help and like needed mm. somebody and nobody was there for her until Bryce is like, eh, I'm going to end it. Mm. And then she's like, oh, wait, no, don't do that. Like mm. she had not seen her before that she wouldn't hang out with her she she would rarely answer her calls and so it's like I don't know that it was that she would rarely hang out with her answer her calls but I do understand that she was so in her own life and what she was focusing on that she maybe was leaving Bryce behind a little bit Mm -hmm. I can I can see that for sure and I think Fury is maybe more the one that we should be guilty of oh yeah oh I have my thoughts on Fury is the one who's ignoring Bryce's calls Mm -hmm. and just not participating at all Let's talk about Fury. Let's talk about Fury. Oh my God. How did you feel about Fury? <laughs> Man, she's so mysterious. <laughs> I know. I know. We know so little about Fury. We know she made the drop at 21. Yep. But it doesn't sound like she chose to do that. No, it Someone doesn't. kind of forced her to mm-hmm. make the drop. We assume she's a merc, but we don't really know. Yeah. No one really knows what Fury does, except that we know that everyone is terrified Everybody's of her. Everybody's terrified her. She shows up at the summit. She Yeah. Good enough to be in the like, third circle of I'm the summit. I'm sorry, what? So clearly, like, fairly high up to be in the third of seven circles at the this summit. This deserves another glass yeah. of wine. <laughs> so that was... Why? I don't know. Yes. Yeah, that was really weird. We get 
a very minimal amount about her appearance. We know she has long onyx hair, light brown skin, deep set chestnut eyes. It's and really, people say she's small, but I don't remember them actually saying that in this yeah, book. I remember, yeah, I didn't actually catch them saying that anywhere in this book. But yeah, so we know very little about what she's doing, except that she spends a lot of time not in Manathion. Mm-hmm. She's like out somewhere else. Somewhere. We don't really know where. We don't know who she works for. Yeah. Yes. I don't even know who she works for nope. or like what side she's on. They mentioned that too. Like no one really knows Nobody anything knows. about it, what she's doing, <laughs> so. but everyone is terrified of her. She has a gun with silver wings on it that was apparently recognized by Bryce when they're on the boat, on the barge. Oh my gosh. I forgot about that. Yeah. I don't know if that's going to be significant at all, but okay. she's specific- gun with silver wings on it. Yeah. Okay. she. But Bryce specifically recognizes that as Fury's hmm. gun before she even recognizes that it's Fury's there. Hmm. And she says that Bad things happen when she gets close to people and that's that that's why she stayed away from Bryce because she felt so guilty about that. Like she was the one who gave her drugs that night and stuff. And like she feels guilty about her involvement there. And that's all she mentions is just bad things happen when she gets close to people. You know, even if she says that, I freaking hated her throughout this book. Same. And especially towards the end when she's like, I know I ignored you for those two years. I know that you needed me. I know, but like I was dealing with my own shit and like I couldn't even, I couldn't get out of my own shit to like help you with yours. Mm -hmm. But to me, it was just like Bryce had reached out again and again and again and again and never got a response, never got a call back and still kept reaching out. Mm -hmm. It reminds me of from Silver Flames, like the keep reaching out your hand. Yeah. And Bryce does that and she clearly keeps... Like, she still tries to hear from Fury and, like, message. She doesn't get anything in return. And to me, that was just, like, two years. Two years. That was horrible. I really hated Fury. Yeah, I did, too. Yeah. But I do want to know more about her. Oh, me, too. (laughs) (laughs) Me, too. You know who else I really want to know more about? Jessica. Oh, my gosh. Same. I kind of forgot how interesting Jessica is. So, uh-huh. we, cause we do kind of, I don't know, hear a lot about her, but we, we don't really do. know her background. So we know she's about 400 years old. She's an enchantress. She was born a witch, but mm-hmm. defected to the house of flame and shadow. And we don't know why. So does that mean she's now in the flame and shadow? She's a member of the house of flame and shadow. And she reports only to the under king interesting yeah flame and shadow suited her well she possessed an arsenal of spells to rival any sorcerer or necromancer in the darkest of the houses she'd been known to change people into animals when irritated that was really funny she threatens to turn bryce into so many animals which i just find so funny because bryce just like brushes it off I found it so funny too. And last really time funny. I remember thinking it was weird. And this time I thought it was so funny. I thought it was so funny this time too. And the, did you notice that in the library there was all these little creatures running around? Well, they're in cages. Yeah, she has all the animals in cages. And she, Bryce is like, I don't want to know if that was a person that pissed no. her off. Oh my gosh, that was so funny to me. But why? Why did she defect? To right, we don't know that. And Hunt, the only time that they really talk about it is like hunt in a passing thought is like oh it must have been like it had to have been for something bad that she switched that's Mm -hmm. like all he really says or acknowledges about it because house and flame and shadow is like the creepy crawlies like the The creepy crawlies the reapers the knocks and yeah yeah. 
all the bad things and yeah. only report. So she only answers to the under King, which is the ruler of the bone quarter. Mm-hmm. And we'll learn more. Yeah. It, about the under King in the next book, but I don't remember learning more about Jessica. Yeah. But so the only thing we know too of, of her goals is she's protecting the great library of Parthos, hmm. which is all of these like books and long dead languages and stuff that all these special, special books that are in, let's say, this vault in the basement of yeah. her library of, of um, uh, oh my gosh, what what's was it called? called? What's the word I'm looking for? Where art is the gallery archives. Yeah, the archives or whatever, yeah. and as as a part of the gallery. And so they're secret enough. She doesn't want the archangels to know, and she doesn't want the Asteri to know. Obviously, mm-hmm. what's down there. But when uh, it looks like Bryce is going to be murdered. And even then she's like, someone's got to save the books. Like she really cares about that. So for being so bad (laughs) that she would (laughs) defect from uh, house of earth and blood to To flame and shadow. I feel like that like uh, switch Mm -hmm. had to have been something around the part that it was Hmm. like to protect that history there. Very interesting. Well, cause we know that Parthos is, Bryce thought it was a mythical land. Mm-hmm. And she was like, oh, isn't that the stuff of like fairy tales? Like people just talk about it. Mm-hmm. And then we find out that no, it's it was a real thing. And these are the ancient libraries. And so the ancient libraries were from the humans mm-hmm. from 15,000 years ago. Yeah. An interesting, interesting, interesting year to note. We'll note that year. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and so... They've been saving these libraries for years and years and years and decades and decades and centuries. And it's just so crazy to me because it's like, why? Why? Yeah. So we we know it's it's briefly mentioned in this book that humans and animals, like regular animals, occupied Midgard 15,000 years ago before... The crossing. And so the crossing is what they call yep. when like the veneer came through the northern rift hmm. to Midgard. Interesting. And so we know it's again briefly mentioned that there's 2000 years of history of humans and animals before everything else came. And that like the library, the great library of Parthos is supposed to be like from that time. And mm-hmm. Micah mentions that it has information and in basically saying it sounds like a like a how to defeat the Asteri or like yeah. why the Asteri might not be the ultimate power or something mm-hmm. to that point and that that's why they've been trying to just like shove it down and make sure people don't think it exists. Right. And so there's books that either are not supposed to exist at, at all anymore, that they're supposed to have all burn, burned out or that the only copies were supposed to be with the Asteri. Mm-hmm. And there's other copies in this uh, library and the archives that right. Jessica has. And a lot of the books are somewhat sentient and like try to jump yes, off the I was gonna bring that up next yeah it reminds me of the books that we just read oh, so yeah. in Akatar, and can we get into some should we wait <laughs> I guess we'll just talk about the sentience of the books yeah let's so just talk about sentience of the books for now basically they like have their own thinking <laughs> they're they're they feel like they're kind of alive and so they would yeah. jump off shelves they would like they're trying talk to escape to people yeah. yeah they're trying to get out and 
one of our other friends that we'll probably talk about in a second mm. was always like, oh, the books are whispering to me. Like, oh, this one said this. Don't use that book. It said this. And mm. so that was so funny to me. Yeah. So should we talk about Lily? About Lehaba? <gasps> Lehaba. Uh, that no. was another thing that hit me so much harder this Sobbed. Time. Oh, my God. Sobbed. My friends so are pr- protecting my friends. My <laughs> friends are with me and I'm not oh. afraid. Oh, my God. I oh was my sobbing gosh. during that scene. I was too. And, like, part of me is like, I'm not crying that hard. My shirt was soaked from the tears <laughs> falling off of my face. Yeah. That was oh. so sad. So, Lahaba is yes. a fire sprite. She is. Yeah. So, she's considered one of the lowers. And so, because you have Because of classes. the rebellion. It's right. so odd because she was so funny. Oh, my God. Like her, like, I don't wear clothes. And her, like, <laughs> washing trash TV all the time. Oh, my God. So cute. Fangs and bangs. Don't call it that. <laughs> that was so cute. She was just so sweet. And she always checked in on Bryce. Oh, yes. To make she, sure she was okay. She was such a good friend to Bryce. And I thought it was so sweet when Bryce comes back and was like, I'm so sorry. I haven't been a good friend to you always, but that you are important to me. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Their relationship was so funny. And I so, so Lily is supposed to be, she's like, Lily and BB. Yeah. <laughs> she's owned by Jessica to basically keep the books in check. Because yes. she's literally fire. So mm-hmm. the books will listen to her because she could just burn them up if she wanted to. Which is to. so funny because oh, we learn so later cute. that the encha- there are enchantments on the books. And yeah. so they can't burn up, but they do listen to they her. They do listen to and her. And it's so funny in like conversations when Hunt is there and she's like, oh, I have to go check on those damn books. Uh-huh. <laughs> she so- loves she loves Hunt. <laughs> she's that- such a little flirt. <laughs> so cute. She's like you fought with my grandmother and I just, and she would always like give Uh these little flirty like remarks. And Oh, Oh, she's so cute. But yes, that, that scene where she sacrifices herself to give Bryce just a couple more seconds is so sad. That was so sad. And like throughout that whole time, she was like already coming up with the plan Mm -hmm. to lock Micah in that bathroom. And so she had like gone over there, set everything up. And then she like had this entire plan in place while Bryce was trying to get out of the hold. Mm -hmm. Oh my God. (sighs) Yeah. We'll come back to that scene. I think in a second when we can talk a little bit more about some spoilers for other episodes or other mm-hmm. books too oh trying to think if there's anything else we want to talk about maybe oh, any other people Go yeah see, we kind of already talked about micah we uh, maybe just like some other names to keep in mind mm-hmm. like as we go into the future ones so philip briggs he's the one who leads the human rebellion yep and he's trying to bring it from pangira to velbara but right. he was busted by danica he was yes and then we find out he was wrongly accused of killing danica right but rightly accused of like trying right. to blow up the white raven and some other things that right. he did so he's kind of keep him in our in our back pocket um we also meet victoria briefly mm-hmm. in this one too she's a wraith who participated in the rebellion and as a result of that has been confined to a body and then at the end of this book is basically like put into a box and oh, sent to the bottom of the ocean her essence oh yeah um we've got sandriel who was an archangel and the governor of the Northwest area. And he was Shahar's. What? Yeah. She gets killed by. Hunt. Oh yeah. Okay. <laughs> Duh. Yeah. Duh. So she's, she's Hunt's <laughs> former owner. Yes, yes, and yes, yes, yes. Shahar's sister. Mm-hmm. And Shahar is the one that Hunt loved. And um, so she's killed by Hunt in this yep. book. 
And then we have Micah, who again was an archangel, was the governor appointed by the Asteri, but he was killed by Bryce in this book and vacuumed up, baby. Oh my God. (laughs) That scene was so, it was even funnier this time. Even funnier this time when she just like is casually just vacuuming him up. I'm picturing what it's looking like on the TVs. Yeah. Oh my God. It's so great. I love that scene. Just casual. So funny. God, it's so funny. So yeah. So we used to have 10 at the beginning of this book, we had 10 archangels. We're down to eight as now we know, because we just killed Micah and Sandriel. So Mm -hmm. that's, so somebody's going to have to step up and be an archangel for the Valar. Are they? I don't know. The only thing we know about the archangels is that there's no protecting where the extra strength comes from. It could come from like any family line. Sometimes they're, it's brought in kind of through the Asteri forcing stuff, but Mm -hmm. um, it can also sometimes show up in lowborn families and they don't really know how or why. Oh my god. So I don't I know that there's anything that. that says that there has to be ten of them. That just happened hmm. to be how many there were. And now there are eight. So there's fewer. Very interesting. Yep. I didn't even catch that part. Yeah. So we've got them. Um Therian, he's the myrrh that we meet briefly in here. We'll wait to talk too much <laughs> about him until um Hosab, but he's the captain of intelligence for the River Queen. Um, and then yeah, I won't really talk about like Pollux or Regulus yeah, we'll or get anything to like that. Later. But Rune Dannon. I was going to say. Prince of the, the Valvarin Bay. I was going to, I was just going to say, you know who have we talked about? Rune, every time they mention him in the first half of the book, they always say Rune Dannon, Crown Prince of the Valvarin Bay. <laughs> every single time. I even have, I wrote it in the book, cute TikTok music. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I love oh that. So gosh. again, I won't, won't talk about him. Well, I'll talk about him a little bit in this He one. was really prevalent in this book, actually. Yeah. And so we know, yeah, we know he's the crown prince. He's got mm-hmm. a lot of piercings. He's got dark hair, the shaved mm-hmm. one side. Mm-hmm. Um, he has magic more like those of his kin on the How island How they describe his Avalon. eyes? We'll get there, I okay. guess. But yeah, he's got shadows and telepathy as powers, which come from his mother's side. From Avalon? Yep, from the Isle of Avalon. And he's Bryce's half-sister, or half-brother, sorry. Yes. Rune Dannon. I didn't remember him being as prevalent in this book as he actually was. Same. I also did not remember that he was a shadow daddy. Oh, I did remember that. (laughs) Oh, my God. Because I remembered he did the mind speaking. Mm -hmm. But for some reasons, the shadow did not stick with me. Mm -hmm. And I was like dang yeah yeah well i feel like at that point for me maybe that's about the point where we can get into some spoilers yes, for please. Other <laughs> okay so not wow <laughs> i'm sorry i did not mean to do that i was just trying to clap <laughs> on that note so now that we've talked about the characters and we've talked about like what new lunathian looks like and some of like the concrete stuff from house of earth and blood now we're gonna pause here catch back with us next episode because yeah. we're gonna get into some theories for other worlds right so there's a lot more like what actually happens here and some things some theories that we have about characters or events that that might be coming up um that will spoil other books so watch for that next week (laughs) we'll see you guys next time bye guys
Thank you so much for joining us on Miss Willow's Book Club Podcast. Check us out on Instagram and TikTok at Miss Willow's Book Club Pod for our upcoming reads. Keep, Keep it spicy, book lovers! <laughs> <laughs>